Deep in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday It's Friday, May 5th And it is a moon on a Scorpio moon on an eclipse. It is quite a electrified, energetic day if you uh, pay attention to that sort of thing. Is that what we're calling it, Heather? What's that? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> if you're wondering why I sound a little testy, our AC went out last night. <laughs> Just go ahead and check the weather for the DFW area. It's 94 degrees right now. Yeah, and it's one forty in the afternoon. Whenever I you said that you let the your air conditioning went out, I checked my watch just to check the temperature, and I was like, "Of course, the day when the digits start at a nine is when the AC goes out." Oh my god! Uh, oh, it's it's going to get fixed today. I'm going to say it's going to oh, get yeah. fixed, but we've we've been having all sorts of technology issues lately since the show in in Austin. And everyone keeps saying Mercury's in retrograde. Well, I think it's got to be out if we're now on the full moon side of things. Well, and that's a part of it. It was like Mercury in retrograde at the same time as a full moon, at the same time as a lunar eclipse. So the moon is going to pass into the faint outer part of the Earth's shadow. We won't be able to see anything, but I believe Australia, the other side of the planet, will be able to see it. And there's also a, like a... I, the good side. The good side, right? <laughs> they get the good view. Uh, but it's the flower moon. You know what? They deserve it. They've, they're have they doing some good stuff. So they deserve uh, it. They do deserve it. And I think the other reason why this is a rough moon is because it's a, uh, a moon in Scorpio. And we all know Scorpios are, they wreak havoc and wreck shit. So what a freaky, freaky Friday we have. Did you see the TikTok I sent you of the Key and Peel sketch? You've seen the Key and Peel sketch where they're like texting and they are each like interpreting the tone oh, of the yeah. text differently. <laughs> yes. But now it has like Keegan's character has like Aries, Scorpio, <laughs> Taurus, like all on it. And then it's like how we text. <laughs> yeah. And the Capricorns on the other side where it's just like, oh yeah, we can go to a movie. That's cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Like no emotion. When to he's it. like, oh, oh, you want to go to a movie now? <laughs> so we're gonna meet at the movies. Interesting. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> but honestly, I feel like I am on Whoever did this meme put me on the wrong side of things. Because I feel like I'm on the other side. Like, what was this? <laughs> yes, Capricorns are uh, pragmatic and, and like realistic usually. Yeah. And sometimes void of emotion. But um, <laughs> I feel like that one got it wrong a little bit. Yeah, I would say. I, I do. But, you know, Key and Peele never get it wrong. And neither. That's true. So maybe. They well, this was something that um, an internet yeah. user had done over their video the video their sketch classic so good classic watching toy story 4 the other day and they're in it and they're the best ones in see, it. see that's so it. i love it that's the best part about being a grown-up with kids though is you then get to see the the grown-up like you know robin williams and aladdin like stuff that your kid is like they're so funny and great and you're like you have no idea you only know mm -hmm. you only know this little bit of them and wait till you hear the rest of them when you're old enough mm -hmm. that's badass for sure. Well, 
We are back in Dallas after a, a Texas two-step between Austin and Houston. Thanks <laughs> for everybody who came out to the Austin show. Bless you all. The projector went out several times, but we rolled with it. And more importantly, y'all rolled with it. And what a raucous oh, yeah. crowd. And then Houston, everything, all systems were go in Houston. And we also had it. We were close to NASA. It was very cozy in there. I'm going to say sexy. It was a sexy vibe at Houston. So thank you, everybody, for making Houston sexy. Yes. Who thought that sentence would ever be uttered? Well, I guess Beyonce is from there. She made Houston sexy. Oh, shit. Every day of her life. And yes. uh, we're going to California next. Speaking of sexy places, San Francisco and Los Angeles in early June. So go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. And we'll see you in uh, Cali. And then after that, we're going to the East Coast across the rest of the summer. So many more dates. West Coast, East Coast. We do them both. We'll do it all. No rivalry here. No. <laughs> we are team everyone. That's right. And you know what? I'm team. We have some badass stories today that you set up. We do. This week we are doing all listeners submitted too. So we get six, six juicy listeners submitted ones. You have chosen quite some tales today. And we thank everybody who sent them in because these were some that, you know, we have some funny ones, but also some, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, as yeah. always, shocking, yes. jaw dropping, emotional. You curated Especially the this first one. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. Well, this first one is from R. And the subject line is a missing woman, a detective, my therapist, and me. Hello, ladies. Obviously want to say how much I love the podcast. My friend and I saw you last year at one of the live shows. It was amazing. This story takes place in my suburban hometown. I know my way around well, seeing as I moved around a lot as a kid and I have family throughout. It's a big suburb, around 38,000 people, but has that small town feel at the same time. In the spring and summer of 2020, I was single, enjoying my hot girl summer. I ended up chatting with the detective who lives and worked in my city. I like chatting with him because I love true crime, and I am very nosy. Getting to hear about things going on around town was so cool. Mid-spring that year, a woman went missing. It shocked the whole community. Nothing like that ever happens here. She went missing in an area I knew well and hung around a lot when I was a kid. Mr. Detective would fill me in on things he knew or what he was allowed to tell me. They searched everywhere for this poor woman. I'm talking search teams, search dogs, flyers, news segments. Mr. Detective was taking any lead he could find. Cue my therapist, Barb. I was keeping her up to date with my hot girl shenanigans, and I mentioned Mr. Detective. I was telling her about all the stories he would tell and the case about the missing woman. I should have prefaced this by mentioning Barb and I did not have a normal professional therapist-client relationship. She's a little kooky. God love her, though. As I'm mentioning this missing woman, she looks at me like she's seen a ghost. She's been having visions of this missing woman. I wish I was making this up. She goes on to describe what the missing woman looks like in these visions. She's slightly decaying and looks like she's been buried under dirt. The missing woman is telling my therapist that a man who works for her husband's landscaping company killed her and buried her under a giant pile of mulch in a popular park in town. Barb is trying to convince me that her body is under this giant pile of mulch. Barb insists she and Mr. Detective exchange information. 
I awkwardly laughed. As you can imagine, as you can imagine, I was in disbelief. This is absolutely insane. After my appointment seance with Barb, I relayed this information to Mr. Detective. This piqued his interest, and he gives me the go-ahead to give his information to her. He said he'll take any lead he can find. What in the dateline hell is this? They end up texting, and he lets her come on a ride along with him. She takes him to the giant mulch pile she mentioned, and he decides it's worth investigating. A few days later, he flew his heat-seeking drone over the mountain of mulch. He sees something suspicious and decides to get a bulldozer out there to dig around. But unfortunately, nothing was there. Sadly, a few months later, they found the missing woman's body in a wooded area off a bike path. It was the woman's husband who murdered her. He actually went on a podcast to talk about his missing wife while the search was still ongoing. He was arrested and eventually found not guilty. Thank you so much for reading this. Even if it doesn't make the podcast, I appreciate you taking the time to read this. R. P.S. I emailed a newspaper article if you'd like to read more yourselves. Well, the article is um, very sad and shocking. The woman was found um, in a wooded area. It was ruled a suicide. But because it did seem suspicious, charges were brought. But a jury ended up finding the husband not guilty. This was the case that I was trying to remember in the car the other day when I was saying how the judge, when he read the verdict, had a really poignant quote, I felt, that I think can be applied to all sorts of cases. When the judge was reading the verdict, he said... Justice for the jury has decided that justice for Emily is not injustice for you, which I found very poignant because a lot of times we do kind of entangle those. Well, we have to have someone booked and put in prison to have justice. Well, if those doing the case don't feel like they got the right person, then it is an injustice to accuse them. So, by all accounts, the jury didn't think there was enough evidence. The prosecution certainly argued that there was. As of now, no one's been arrested and the husband um, was uh, acquitted. Yeah, and it's, it just means the state didn't carry their burden. I don't. I haven't looked enough into the evidence, but I mean, if the jury was there in the courtroom and said, no, we don't think this is as suspicious as the prosecution did, it looks like an expert testified that she had been strangled before being placed in the wooded area, which would point to murder. But if they don't have sufficient evidence to say he was the one that murdered it, you're right. That's a good quote from the judge that I think we've seen enacted too many times where the state gets so hell bent on getting justice and just putting somebody behind bars. They don't care if it's the actual correct somebody. And even if they did have the correct somebody in this case, you got to be able to, you have to be able to, to meet the burden. So that's a uh, quite a weird coincidence that the therapist, do you think the therapist was just having visions and didn't know that it was that woman in the news or she was having visions and knew it was a woman in the news. It just happened to be her client's boyfriend. That was a detective. Um, Neither one of those options came <laughs> into just, my brain. Barb was just feeling. I think she's a bit kooky, like R said. Like <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah, I I don't know um, ethically if she's violated anything, but 
if you go into it knowing this is who she is and this is a relationship and you vibe with that, then that's a great therapist. Right. Other people might be like, this is a little too casual for me. So, you <laughs> know, have some formalities in here. Oh, <laughs> sweet Barb. Well, she tried at least. Yes, she did. And the update that R sent when she sent this news link was that she has since found a different therapist. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No more Barb. Also, the detective was married. So, but I took it to mean that she was just kind of chatting with him, but maybe there was like chatting with him, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're giving someone information about cases you're working, that's a pretty intimate relationship. I would say on some level. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Yeah. If he's supposed to be, I guess if he was only saying stuff that was public or he was allowed to share and not like, well, yeah, no one's going to tell you. He only said stuff you were allowed to share, but yeah. Well, thank you so much, R, for sending that in. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. This next one is from Nicole. I feel like this is one we can relate to because we just spent quite a bit of time on Texas Backroads. This is called The Time I Thought I Was Going to Be Murdered on a Texas Backroad. Hi, ladies. I've been meaning to write in for a while, but finally decided to do it when I was listening to today's Freaky Friday about someone being tailgated down a dark road. When I was in my early 20s, I went with my friend V to visit her family in East Texas. While we were there, she suggested we go to the casino in Oklahoma. And me, being me, I was like, hell yeah. So we drove over, lost all our money, and started on our trip back home. At this point, it was pretty late at night, slash early in the morning, as we were driving along these dark roads to get back to our house. I was drunk and not really paying attention to what was going on around me because it was literally just us on this road with a car passing occasionally. It was pretty quiet in the car when my friend very calmly said, don't freak out, which immediately made me freak out, but this truck has been on our ass for a few minutes and won't go around us. I'm like, okay, a little confused, but I don't think much of it. Then they go around us. So I'm like, okay, it's fine. They're just assholes. But then they get in front of us and hit the brakes. And that's when I really freaked out. So we try to go around them and pass them, but they keep tailgating us. And my friend is like pushing 100 miles per hour on these dark back roads. And they're still on our ass. At one point, they pulled up next to us and started swerving into our lane to try and push us off the road. They also had a trailer on the back of their truck, which was wild to me because they were keeping up with us going 90 to 100 miles per hour, even with the trailer. Thank God my friend was used to driving the pickup truck we were in, because I could not have done it. This went on for a good 10 to 15 minutes, but it felt like forever. We finally got to a small town, and at this point, we were terrified. They were still following us. We ran a red light, and so did they. We got in a turn lane, and so did they. Instead of turning, we went straight. But they turned, and we were like, okay, it's over, until we saw them turning back around to follow us. We drove as fast as we could and found a Walmart parking lot and finally lost them. We sat in the parking lot and smoked a cigarette to calm down, and then finally headed back home. It was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. I for sure thought we were going to be murdered on the side of the road. Anyway, thank you for reading this, even if it doesn't make it on the air. Y'all are the best, Nicole. 
Oh, Nicole. Yeah, these roads, on like, where it's, you know, one lane going one way and one going the other, having somebody moving that fast next to you, behind you, and then you think, okay, well, they'll just go around me. No, they slam on their brakes. That's real scary. <sighs> if you're not from Texas, well, anywhere, I think, has back roads. But Texas, we were talking about, because we had to take a lot of back roads on the way to Houston, it's just land. Mm-hmm. So it's like a two-lane street and then just, like, cows and land and you might not see a house or anything for miles and miles so if shit goes down at two in the morning with you and one other car on this road where there's probably no street lights uh you're pretty fucked yeah no cameras no, no even if you could call the authorities it's really hard to say oh i met this and this unless you come on a mile marker but you'd have to know like what fm or county road you're on to then be able to say i'm on fm 329 at mile marker 180 otherwise you're like i don't know it's in the dark and there are cows beside me yeah and there's some unhinged men in a pickup trying to follow us i mean best case they're trying to scare you worst case they're trying to murder you. Yeah. So even the best case is a terrifying situation. Exactly. It's the fact that they're so reckless. Even if you think, oh, they're just messing with us. Going 100 miles an hour with a trailer hitched to the back of you is so extremely reckless that you're like, even if they're not nefarious, like, oh, we're going to be violent and kill them. Let's just mess with them. If they're messing with you in a sloppy way that you're like, well, I could still die. So I don't care if you meant to kill me or if it was an oopsie because you were going buck wild with your trailer. Those things just whip back and forth. It's like a a fish's tail. Oh, yeah. So if you're weaving in and out of lanes going 100 miles per hour, it's also stupid on their part because that's how you flip your truck and die just trying to prove a point late at night on – after some drinks. Right, for no reason. Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad y'all made it out of there, Nicole. That is, that, that's definitely like a horror movie scene. Yeah. Oh, there were a couple of roads where Tommy was like, well. He said, this is where the chainsaws massacre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a t- oh, I mean, sweet Texas where the chainsaws massacre. <laughs> you will see like these rundown, dilapidated <laughs> for sure. sheds, barns, who knows what they are. They've been like burnt out, but they're still there. Just like, you know. 100 feet or so off the highway, who knows what's going on in there? Mm -mm. Don't want to find out. No. Barbed wire, cows. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 100%. Did it happen? No. Did I think it happened? Yes, I did. But it it is based on kind of events that did happen. But my point is that could happen. And no one would think it was that strange that it did. No, and I've I have always had a healthy fear of it possibly happening. And I think you know what we all should. Yeah. No. Yes. Sweet Texas. There's a lot of reasons to fear Texas, and the fact that you could get chainsaw massacred on a back road is just one of them. One of the many. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Aaron, and it's very topical given the episode that came out this week. It is called Real Estate Can Be Frightening. Hi, y'all. I love the show, but can never think of what to write for Freaky Friday. The first episode on Lindsay Buziak triggered my memory. I've worked in real estate for almost 20 years, but since I'm not a realtor or in a public-facing position, I'm infrequently reminded of how potentially dangerous or even just scary our industry is. In the Houston area, we have the foot fetish creep. He was a well-known problem among realtors when I first started in the early 2000s, 
and the Houston Association of Realtors started tracking the calls and issuing alerts to agents in 2010. The creep usually calls female realtors who are featured in print ads, think the newspaper or those free magazines at the grocery store, from a block number and asks them that they show him a house. He doesn't maintain the pretense of being a potential buyer for long, however. The creep says he is having trouble hearing the agent. Can she go in a room with hardwood or tile? Can she take off her shoes to improve the reception? He asks what type of shoes the agent is wearing. He likes the sound of flip-flops on hardwood and tile floors, you see. If the creep still has the agent on the phone, he will ask about pedicures and what color her toenails are. In the old days, he would only call once or twice and would hang up if a man answered the phone. The agents I've known who got the calls were all tech-savvy and creeped out enough to just hang up when he asked to take off their shoes. Since 2019, the creep has gotten worse. Once he calls the agent, he'll call for several days getting more graphic and leaving voicemails. When asked to leave the agent alone, the creep will start threatening her. I can't find anything about the calls after 2020. With any luck, the calls have stopped. Here's some links. This is was jaw-dropping to me because I've never heard of this, but the Houston Chronicle and the Dallas Morning News, which are both the major newspapers of those cities, have reported on this, and yet this man possibly roams free. Yeah, it's it gives me the same type of vibes as the um, McDonald's caller, you mm-hmm. know, that would pose as police and would get people to take off their clothes, to do searches for drugs and stuff. People will will do a lot of stuff on the other end of the phone, especially when it's under the guise of like a professional setting. Mm-hmm. And like we say, are you don't feel stupid because you fell for it. That's this is what this guy's trying to do. It sounds like people have gotten wise to the game and good for the Houston Realtor Bureau that they're like, hey, this is a thing. Everybody heads up. So Unlike the McDonald's one where everyone knew it was going on and just said, eh, whatever, people will figure it out if they, that person calls. Right. It's a it's a he was able to run rampant the McDonald's guy because there was really no internal response from the companies, at least in this case, like you said, the real estate group came together. The communications director um, of that organization, Matt Burris, told the Houston Chronicle that one brokerage company invested in a special service that revealed block numbers to help the Webster, a smaller town police department, locate the caller, resulting in a citation, period, change the subject in the next paragraph. I'm like, resulting in a citation. So they caught the person? I'm like, so you gave him a ticket and then what happened? But they and were what saying- what was the charge? Nothing. It doesn't say. There's no follow-up. The another uh, public facing for the Houston Police Department said and Baytown Police said, if we get reports, we can look into it. But in a lot of cases, we don't get uh, like people aren't hanging up and calling 911 because they think, oh, well, you know, what did he really do? He just asked me if I had a pedicure or whatever. But uh, one of the women, like exactly what the our Freaky Friday story said, that he has escalated and apparently said, if you're not going to cooperate, I'm going to go over there and kill you both. And don't forget, I know where you live. To one of the real estate agent's fiancés, when he she answered, did the whole foot thing, she hung up. He called her five more times throughout the next day. And on the fifth call, her fiancé answered. And that was his response was like, I'll kill you. We no. need to look into this. Yeah, for sure. Because even if they don't find out where they live, like we've seen with Lindsay Buziak, there are ways 
to lure people out just based on their job and, and how to get them there. Or you, it's public information if someone's having an open house. So you can show up to that. Just don't even have to have an appointment. You're right. And they said he was particularly targeting female real estate agents who had their faces on things like a billboard, Mm -hmm. a magazine, the back of a flyer on the side, like on a bus stop. And so we should be able to advertise ourselves. Like we should be able to say, hello, I'm your real estate agent and not someone call and go, let me, what do your toes look like? Yeah. And I think it's, while it does seem innocuous, not to me, but it may, you know, people might laugh and go, oh, what he called and ask about your feet. The problem is that people that do that, that feel like, oh, I'm allowed to violate somebody a little bit, then the next time they're going to do it more and the next time they're going to do it more until they're telling your fiance, I know where you live, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And then what is the next time? And I don't think I'm being an alarmist. I, I think people like this escalate. Yeah, for sure. And even if he didn't escalate and just stayed like this, that's still... It's harassment. Nobody should have to deal with that when they're just trying to do their job and be fearful of some pervert being on the other end of the line when they answer the phone and having to like feel creepy and gross. And like we talked about with the cat calling, like people think like, well, whatever. It's not like they touched you or did anything. But this feeling of violation and just ickiness stays with you. And it's very hard to shake. And especially if it's pervasive and they're calling you multiple times, you know, over the course of weeks, that's harassment. That's Mm -hmm. can turn into stalking. You know, I mean, these things absolutely should be looked into and not just he was given a citation. End of story. And I would say the the Houston Chronicle, they interviewed an attorney and I was that was my first thought. And I'm always glad when I hear another attorney, especially an expert, say something. But he's he's like the statute, the criminal statute around harassment is like very broadly written. What he's done easily ticks these boxes. Why hasn't he been charged for every single time he called? And then that's when the police said, well, you know, it's not always reportable. It's hard for us to find out who it is. Somebody gave somebody a citation. Start with that guy is all I'm yeah. saying. Also, it's um enough people have had this happen to where uh, an organization has sent out stuff like, hey, be aware of this. So it's been reported enough to where I think they got something to go on. There's there's enough. So, well, yeah. hopefully he's, maybe that's why the calls have stopped is he's maybe. behind bars or been, as my mom would say, somebody jerked a knot in his tail and was like, don't fucking do this anymore. Like, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Athena and the subject line is crime fighting dad. Hey, lovely ladies. I thought I'd share something about my dad that I never truly realized how intense and important his job was while I was growing up. I'm not sure how to begin this, so I'll start from the beginning. My dad moved to Seattle in the early 90s. He's a super eccentric dude and is a professional photographer. He and my mom met later in life and made a love child, a.k.a. me. As I was a surprise, my dad stepped up and decided he needed to find a more stable job instead of working at a film lab. Remember when that was still a thing? He applied around and then came upon the job listing for a photographer for the King County Sheriff's Department, which is the county that Seattle resides in. As a government job, he saw that as a stable employment and an income that would support our family. At the time he applied, he didn't realize what a new world he would enter. He became a forensic crime scene photographer for the King County Sheriff's Department. He started from the bottom rank, and by the time he retired, he was the head of the photography unit. When you're a kiddo, you know, you don't really know what's going on in the world and the news, and that was me. 
While I was at school during the day or at home playing with dolls, my dad was taking crime scene photos to help those that were innocent and help put away others. Obviously, as I was a child, he rarely shared what he did at work, nor would he talk about it really with my mom. It was an extremely draining and emotional job, as anyone can imagine. He worked on some pretty famous cases, too. His photos put away Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. He spent a lot of time working on a famous case here in Washington called the Carnation Murders. The trial took eight years and consisted of six people in one family being murdered. In that murder trial, the jurors had a complete recreation of the murder scene in the living room. To have the complete recreation, they required the floor to be photographed to exact measurements of the crime scene. This is one of the homicides that he worked on that I actually can recall because of the stress it brought him. He spent the next few months taking photos of the floor, which had to then be made into a merged photo to be printed out and used for the recreation. This case is one of the hardest mentally and physically that he ever worked on, and he still has nightmares of the scene to this day. My dad says he has nightmares of many photos he had to take, and in the early morning, around 2 a.m., he'll even see the faces of the victims he saw. My dad hates crime shows and will still rarely discuss what he witnessed during his 20 years there. Thanks for letting me write in. Also, P.S., this is the one podcast my boyfriend actually likes that I listen to. The first episode I played for him was the Whataburger parking lot disaster, and he's been hooked since. P.S.S., my dad was born in Dallas and lived his early life in Cleburne and still has his Texas accent. Him and Alexa fight on the daily because she can't understand what he says. Listening to you ladies talk is like listening to family. Well, thank you so much. It was in and out, but Heather, I believe, had the Waterburger incident. So <laughs> yeah, it's right I like that. I like that it's the heat's coming off me now, and everyone now is maybe we shift and we're like Heather had to pee in a Waterburger in a tumbler uh, drive-through line. Is that as gross? No, in the dead Mine's of night, way grosser. <laughs> in a beetle, that's like awful, but. <laughs> But you know what? That led into the story of the in and out. So, See? and my grandparents lived in Cleburne, spent a ton of time there as a kid and teenager. So, I love that. Love hearing that your dad was from there too. Cleburne connection, and we love to hear a Dallas boy done right because that what an amazing and important job your dad had throughout the years to the precision it takes, the focus. I mean, not only professional focus, but I mean you have to have perfectly crisp, well lit photos, and it's a whole other different type of photography with much higher stakes. I would argue, even yeah, and obviously those are some images you're never going to get out of your mind when you have to photograph something so much to get like exact measurements of a floor that is soaked in blood six people yeah yeah several of them children that's not something you ever can get away from i totally get i wouldn't want to listen to true crime shows or watch any of that either so i totally get it the carnation murders what a heinous story that I'd never heard of and I kind of wish I hadn't. Yeah, but when you, even just a quick overview of it, God bless your dad for going in there and meticulously documenting it so that, you know, they can hopefully find some justice because that is a very difficult job. Yes, it looks like a um, adult woman and her boyfriend killed 
the woman's parents and then her brother, sister-in-law, and their children all on Christmas Eve. It appears she said she was guilty and wanted the harshest sentence possible. So I, it appears she felt some sort of remorse afterwards. Yeah, that is a, a tough case. And also, the obviously, the Green River Killer as well. So your dad was oh, yeah. 20 years uh he hopefully he's enjoying a wonderful retirement now the a well-deserved rest after that all that violence and heartache he had to witness throughout those years for sure well this next one is from m and the subject line is connection with my past life hello pretty ladies i'll skip the gushing and fangirling over you but i have to say that as a 22 year old you give me life advice like two older sisters who i look up to for aspiration and life goals I've been thinking of writing this story ever since you talked about past life experiences in another Freaky Friday. I've always been intrigued with past life experiences and if it is really true or not. In 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, I discovered a meditation video that would help you connect to your past self, or so it claimed. I decided to try it just for fun and to see what would happen. Now, a little backstory because this will be important. I come from a place in southern Russia near Georgia, but had lived the majority of my childhood in the Middle East and moved to Texas in 2016. Hello, fellow Dallas residents. Anyway, I was going into this experiment with no high hopes, thinking it would be a silly little thing to pass the time on a boring quarantine day. The video started like a meditation video. I was following along when I started to see a train station. I pictured myself or what was supposed to be myself, in 60s Russian clothes. Think grayish-brown midi skirt, blazer, and black little heels. Typical Soviet fashion. As the video went along, I saw a man, which I can only assume was my husband, blonde hair and great bone structure. A few minutes later, I saw him tightly grab my arm, and then he started to physically abuse me. I believe that is how I died in that life. I could not continue the video after that. I think I got too anxious, but the experience has stayed with me since. Now, you might say that maybe the story was already in my brain and I just had that in mind, but I swear to you, that's not what happened. I purposefully thought of typical Middle Eastern stories to see if it would influence my brain, but what I saw or felt was so different. Anyway, I'll share the video in case y'all want to try it. I know Heather is interested in past life experiences, and hopefully you'll see something better than what I saw. Keep up the good work. I aspire to be as kind and as smart as you. Love from your neighborhood, M. And then M included a link for us, which is a past life regression session on YouTube with Dr. Brian Weiss, who then I Googled and... He is a psychologist, or psychiatrist, psychologist. It's important to know which one, but he's a doctor in front of his name. <laughs> and that's his whole deal is that he does these past life regressions sessions. Yeah, we can link um, that and all the other links that people send in. We can link those in the show notes. So if that is something that you want to take a gander at, I watched a little bit of it. I didn't like fully commit. I just wanted to see what it was. Um, just a guest. He's uh, sitting in a chair and kind of walks you through a, a guided type of visual exercise. So he is, he's a psychiatrist. 
Yes, I want to give him the credit. He's the author of Many Lives, Many Masters, which I feel like I've heard the name of that. The true story of a prominent psychiatrist, his young patient, and the past life therapy that changed both of their lives, published in 1988. Mm. So it's one of his sessions. And uh, people in the YouTube comments have found it compelling. Somebody said, I cried my eyes out. I really struggled my past life. Another one was like, I have... Two different people said, I had no experience with my past life, but boy, this put me right to sleep. <laughs> well, people. it did something. Right? Honestly, that's what I'm trying to get most <laughs> times. It's just like my mind to relax and drift off to dreamland. So maybe I will check it out. Right? I think he says that, or it says it in the video. If you do it on a bed, you're likely to fall asleep, but it will be a restorative sleep. But if you do it kind of in a chair or a recliner, it's more likely mm-hmm. that you'll see a vision. But yeah, I love the comments that were like, I didn't see shit, but man, I slept like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people that go, I love the show. I fall asleep to it. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, awesome. maybe in your past life, you were a baby. That's and right. You slept all the time. So uh, you're going back. We all were babies in our That's past true. lives. That's some, true. Some point. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. Well, this last email is from Jesse, and the subject line is Case of Mistaken Cryptid Sighting. Longtime listener, first time writer. I'm doing most of my listening while on the treadmill. Thank you for being the fun voices in my ears as I work my way back to trail running after having a baby. I've got a silly story of an almost cryptid sighting. I work part-time from home for a great nonprofit, but due to lack of childcare, that means waking up super early and stumbling into my office to start work around 5.30 a.m. I live on a 10-acre wooded plot in a small town in Vermont. My office window faces west and looks out into the woods. It was 6 a.m. and I was scheduling some emails when my dog rushed to the window and absolutely lost her mind. The windows are on a short wall, level with the floor. I looked down and out of the window to see what the dog was barking at, and my mind couldn't wrap around it. In the weak morning light, I saw two white shapes moving awkwardly through the woods away from my house. My first thought was Fresno Nightcrawlers, because they look like two pairs of white pants lurching away. The spindly legs were moving forward by teetering side to side. You remember making your protractor walk across your desk when you were bored at school? They moved like that, but with an eerie bounce, like a child trying to make a Barbie run on the moon. Two spindly white legs met at the top and had a floppy white upper body. The movement was unnatural. Was it a bird? Was it a weird bird? Do herons lurch? My tired brain attempted to go through a list of potential animals. We regularly have turkeys foxes, coyotes, bobcats, and weasels. Maybe one of those? And then suddenly, another. There were at least three. My heart was in my throat as I frantically whisper-shouted at my dog to shut up before she woke the baby. What the fuck is that? Was just playing on a loop in my head. Finally, after what was probably just a few seconds, but felt like an eternity, I realized what I was seeing. Dear butts. White-tailed deer were leaping away through the brush because they could hear my dog barking. Everything clicked into place, and I could see several deer moving through the forest. Due to the low light and with all the dead leaves, their brown bodies were camouflaged, but the white tails were easy to spot. I've uploaded a photo that shows the deer with its tail up. Sorry to make you all inspect a deer ass, but I really think it drives the point home. 
All in all, I'm very glad that I was just bamboozled by a bewitching deer booty or two. I already find our property pretty spooky at night. I don't think I could handle knowing that there was some new cryptid living in our woods. Thanks for your time and for all the great episodes you put out. I'm so impressed by the quantity of content you create for your Patreon listeners. Hoping to see you in New England sometime soon. <laughs> and then we get a picture of the deer butt, which we'll it's, post on Instagram. <laughs> I don't think this was the deer in question, but I feel uh, like you see one deer butt. You got a good idea of what's going on. And if it's 4.30 in the morning, you're a sleep-deprived mom, mm-hmm. you're still half asleep, you look out, I would absolutely have thought, well, they've come for me. The night crawlers are here. <laughs> Look, watch as they dance in the moonlight. <laughs> Honestly, though, especially to your dog is barking, which is always so chaotic. Uh-uh. And your, when your dog is barking anytime, but when your dog is barking and there's a sleeping baby, I'm sure it's an extra like, no. But your dog is barking, there's a sleeping baby. And also some kind of weird cryptid in the woods. So you're like, which one do I freak out most exactly. about? Probably, honestly, baby waking up. That's going to wreck your whole day. The night crawlers. You might have to deal with them for a few minutes and they go on their way and you don't see them again. But a baby that gets woken up. Game over. Yeah, you're going to (laughs) be it's going to be a game over situation. I told Tommy that the um, morning that we woke up in Houston from the show just the other night, I like was so out of it. And I woke up and I could see sun coming in the windows. And in my head, I was like, oh, gosh, the sun's already up. My alarm must have not gone off. I got to get up and get Ella ready for school. So I got up out of the, I was like, well, first I got to pee and stuff. So I get up and I go to the bathroom at the hotel, still fully thinking I'm in my house. No. And then I, I'm like going to the bathroom and like halfway through, I was like, what, where am I? What is this? <laughs> and then I started to realize I am in a hotel Clearly that uh, I'm not have to, I don't have to get up and get ready and I don't have to get the kids ready. I get to go back to sleep. Best feeling ever. Oh, it's such a good feeling too. And it's the silence. Everything's so quiet. It was so cold. I am dreaming about how cold that room is right now. <laughs> I cranked that bitch down to 60 when we got in there. Yeah, you did. I was like, if you want to come in, put on a sweatshirt. I'm oh, not I changing it. Do. <laughs> I do. I'll be like, I'm gonna bring these lounge pants, and I'm like, and this hoodie, because I'm gonna go hang out in Christy's room, and I need to wear a hoodie when I'm in there. I like it though, because I mean, our house, we keep the house here cold, so yeah, it can't. I can't imagine what you're feeling like right now on your own. Non-AC'd. I'm sweating just sitting here. Yeah, just sitting here. Just yeah. keeps keeps it keeps sweating. Well, uh, you know where it's not sweaty? Beautiful Vermont, where the deer Ooh. butts roam, and. Yes. I uh, I wish there were little cryptids that look like the white tail on these little deer because they're very cute and fluffy. I love it. It's like a, a corgi butt. I love corgi butts. Uh-huh. There's a corgi in the neighborhood that Lucky. walks, you know, it's taken for walks quite frequently. And Tommy will now be like, corgi, corgi's on the sidewalk so now I can me- run and see him. There's a corgi in your neighborhood, and you didn't tell me the house across the street was for sale. I don't know, I don't I we know about that one. I gotta, <laughs> I'm gotta. i going to start driving around to see who. I'm going to put some notifications. I'll get some alerts, some alerts if the house goes up for sale I'm over like, here. babe, I need your social security number. He's like, why? I'm signing us up for, I just want to get pre-qualified. Wait, what? I'm like, but if the house goes on sale, we have to move on it. You do. That's the thing. Once you decide you want to start, you want a new house, you got to be ready to go because... Go quick. 
There's amenities. If y'all don't know, Christy recently moved in the past few months and it's a little bit further than me, but I've just been scoping out her neighborhood every time I'm over. <laughs> like, what, y'all got a sign in the yard? You guys happy here? Maybe, uh, maybe I'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> start to just elbow people i think you come in and you improve the neighborhood and everybody's property value goes up see there you go win win y'all wish i was your neighbor come on i do uh, wish you were my neighbor so well i'm gonna we'll get on uh uh zillow.com after this see what we can drum up we're gonna manifest it and and so well speaking of manifesting you said it yourself there jesse at the end uh hope to see you in new england sometime soon we will we'll be in new england this summer we'll see you in boston on july 19th so yes. there you go and you've manifested it at the end of your freaky friday submission you do i hope that we see you there yeah we would love that and see y'all at all of our shows yes thank you so much for sending in your story and thank you to everyone that sent in a freaky friday story if you have an odd but true story maybe you've encountered bigfoot You've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being. Send them in at sinisterhood.com slash freaky Friday. And to get tickets to the shows we were just talking about in Boston, everywhere else we're going, go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the rolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And patrons in the getting into it tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each quarter that they would like to see us live stream. And our next one's going to be in June. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop on the top banner. But first, make sure you visit our Patreon because our Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It subscribers will are now, starting in May, have an exclusive discount code uh, for 10% and 20% off all merch in our store. So Sinisterhood.com and uh, click on Patreon to check out all those merch deeds. You can support the show fast, easy, and at no cost to you by rating, reviewing, and following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Speaking of reviews, you can easily leave one by going to Sinisterhood.com slash reviews. Yours may even be featured on our social media. Have a friend who you think would like us? You can easily share any episode with them by clicking the three dots in the top right corner. You can also share topic-based playlists from Spotify, 
by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterHoodPod and like us on Facebook at SinisterHood. We're also on YouTube and TikTok at SinisterHood Podcast. And we're on Cameo where you can book us for all of your custom personal video shout outs. So if you want us to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, anything like that, you can say congratulations, happy Mother's Day. Uh, you got the promotion. I'm in love with you. Whatever. Go to Cameo.com and click uh, search up SinisterHood and you can book us for a personal video shout out. Christy, where are you at online? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace, and I am on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin.